Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 2.41 p.m. Eastern on February 13th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, I just got back from the doctor today. I went to see, get a second opinion about my shoulder. Uh, the news is not good. I'm having it amputated. No, just kidding, guys. Um, it's not good, but I'm not having an amputation. Basically, um, I'm not going to divulge all the medical, you know, I don't want to waive my HIPAA rights for this podcast. But basically, the diagnosis is uh, frozen shoulder, which, which is not good. That's like what you try to avoid when you have surgeries like this. Basically, the scar tissue, I think, is like so hardened and stuck together that like now, through rigorous physical therapy over the next six weeks, six plus weeks. Um, my next appointment is in six weeks. Uh, you basically have to unstick everything in your shoulder. So basically he said to me, starting right now, you're going to use your left shoulder and arm. Like it's, everything's normal. You're going to have, like, you just have to keep doing it to loosen it up, to use it. It's going to be some, there's going to be some pain, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so as I podcast right now, I'm awkwardly jerking myself off with a busted left arm for medicinal purposes. People get your heads out of the gutter. This is medicine we're talking about. So JL known for his cold shoulder. Turns out he's got the coldest shoulder of all. Yeah. Damn. That was uh, me putting on my sunglasses like David Caruso in the beginning of CSI Miami. Um, frozen shoulder. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, so that's what's going on with my shoulder. So the next six weeks, the good news is uh, I should absolutely be doing comedy gigs because um, part of my therapy is to endure pain and get my shoulder unfucked. So... No canceling gigs here. It's for medicinal purposes. Not afraid of wincing in pain and cursing the Lord during a comedy show. So no more sling on stage. No more gay Tyrannosaurus Rex character. Sorry, guys. That show's been canceled. So um, now I have to call my other doctor tomorrow. Awkward. Uh <laughs> But it was, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to discuss all that went on. But um, I left the doctor's office today feeling um, empowered and not just because I'm a sex worker, but because I actually felt empowerment. And um, it was weird because my shoulder hurts and stuff. But now I'm just, when you're armed with like, when you're confident in your medical advice, it does that mental, you know, that 20% of your pain and discomfort that's mental kind of goes away. So now... Um, you know, now I can, I have to force myself to pick up cookies poop with my left arm. That could lead to some funny accidents. I was just doing what the doctor ordered. And then I got a handful of mushy afternoon poop under my fingernails. Thanks cooks. Um, so that's the update on the shoulder. Okay. So let's hope I'm sitting and I don't know if you can tell the difference between when I'm doing it in the office on the yeti mike or when i'm talking into my phone but we're back in the chair the couch chronicles are over a lot of cancellations on this we're doing cancel culture we've canceled so many things um in this short intro to the podcast but uh let's that's it that's your health update hey guys by the way the aforementioned gigs yeah we're gonna do that part of the show the part of the show my comedy fans hate the most where can we see JL live? We don't want to even see JL live. Why would we want to see him live? Fast forward Spotify and Apple. I don't want to hear about his shows. Well, tough shit. Here are the shows listings. Uh, February 22nd, guys. Rutherford, New Jersey. The Wrong Take. I'm there with uh, comedian Dan Natterman, comedian Lou Perez, who sort of co-produces the show. And author Gilbert King, who's... Um, uh, Grove, Grove, Grove. Why am I forget? Why can I not remember the name? Like, it's a great book. Oh, there it is. Devil in the Grove right there on the book. See, when I'm in the office, I can consult my, the weighty tomes that sit on my mahogany bookshelves. I'm a man of learning. Anyway, the point is Devil in the Grove, Pulitzer Prize winner. It was in a blog that I posted a couple of times about sort of my recommended reading list for American history as it relates to civil rights 
uh, and it is a devastatingly depressing book, but it won the Pulitzer, and he is part of this show slash panel, um, which was just an unexpected surprise to be like, oh wow, that's that's pretty that's pretty damn cool um, for a for a history nerd like me. I'm such a nerd. I'm such a fucking nerd. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a nerd. I'm not a nerd, motherfucker. Anyway, um, who did I just call a motherfucker? Why did I just make that so personal to my listeners? Like, I didn't say motherfuckers, like, as a group. Um, who are all these motherfuckers? Uh, Stevie, these motherfuckers are from the church group. That's from Eastbound and Down, season one. One of the greatest seasons of comedy ever. One of the greatest comedies ever. Suck Kenny Powers' dick, Ted Lasso. Anyway, um, that's February 22nd. All links are now on my website for all the shows I'm mentioning. Finally, um, so that's February 22nd, Rutherford, New Jersey, the wrong take, um, comedy and panel show. So, so a little, a little more, a little more substance, uh, for the, for the average comedy fan. And if there's one thing I know about my comedy fans, they fucking hate substance. Moving on from that, I'm in Montclair, New Jersey. Um, I was supposed to be headlining the show. Now I'm co-headlining the show. So, uh, you know, we'll see how I respond to that in real time on the show. I might go be rabbit and ask to go second to last and then toss the mic to the so-called co-headliner and go, tell them something about me they don't know. (laughs) You only get one shot to ruin your fucking comedy career. Have no fear. JL is here. Um, he's not queer, but he's a queer ally. That is called Lose Yourself, Woke Ally Edition by J.L. Covan. Hopefully Eminem doesn't sue me. Oh, by the way, guys, I am sort of being sued. Um, the J.L. Jinx. I did a, a J.L. Jinx history piece on, uh, the Patreon. Three bonus episodes last week for the Patreon subscribers. So if you're a fan of mine, which I know you're not, if you're listening to this show, um, you know, it's never too late to join the Patreon for the bonus videos for, uh, you know, there's going to be some special, some, 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 some exclusive, uh, half blackface content going up on the Patreon. So I'm trying to, I'm doing the best I can to make it worth your four or seven dollars. Um, but three bonus episodes last week, two from the train, one depressing, one hilarious. And then because I was, uh, and then the third episode was just discussing the JL jinx and I left two things out. Well, I left one thing out, excuse me. I left one thing out. Mark Maron's podcast. I didn't include that in my history of the JL Jinx, but I think if you listen to this, after after um, my big blow up in 2020, uh, I got on the Mark Maron show, WTF, as a guest, and I had him rolling. I did like 15 minutes interview with him and like 20 minutes as Trump, like in character, because Maron had had Obama, so he's like, I guess it's only fair that I have uh, President Trump on. And he was, I had him cracking up like for 20 minutes. And I was like, good, 35 minutes. That's a good, that's a good appearance on a big show. Many people heard me on the show. Um, and it was in the can, okay? Not in my can, but in the can. And shortly after we recorded, his uh, girlfriend died. Very sad. Lynn Shelton, I believe is her name, a director. Uh, and he took some time off, of course. So I was like, oh, that's too bad. But, you know, my podcast, the episode I did is kind of evergreen. So it's it's not going to affect me. That's just, that's that's very sad for, for him to have lost his girlfriend. So then when my episode was going up, it happened like within two weeks of George Floyd getting murdered. And because of the tone of my Trump impression, which didn't address police brutality, but was obviously flippant and racist. You know, I, my accurate portrayal of Donald Trump that made Mark Maron laugh a lot. My episode appearance went from like 35 minutes to 15 minutes or 16 minutes, and they cut out the entire Trump. And he said in the entry, he's like, I just didn't think it was appropriate given what we're going through, but it is. The guy does a hell of an impression, and it was funny. And I was like, oh, man, I almost wish I, I just, if I could, if I could turn back time, I would have gone back and been like, can I not do this right now? Can we wait until like the stars of crushing my career don't align into like personal tragedy for Mark Maron, national racial tragedy for America. And then he's like, yeah, and here's JL. We can't play most of his episode. Did he say anything offensive about George Floyd or anything? No, no. It's just, it was so funny, but it's now inappropriate for the time. So we're not going to air his episode. So that was, that was the one piece of the JL jinx history that I left out of the, 
bonus episode on the JL Jinx, which really, as I've said on stage, and I'll say it to you guys again, um, I don't know. I think the JL Jinx could make believers out of atheists because the, the, the logic goes, well, random occurrences don't hate JL with this much regularity and specificity with, as they refer to the gerryman- the racist gerrymandering in North Carolina with surgical precision. God is destroying JL's comedy career with surgical precision. Who the fuck is calling me? I'm podcasting. Do people not realize how much money this podcast makes for me? Hang up. That's how a boss does it, guys. That's a boss lesson from you from a podcasting mogul who has made um, after we took two years off of this. I'm just doing some quick math. We took t- we started the podcast January of 2012. Then we took two years off. It's 2023 now, so we are on a uh, nine years and nine years carry the one. We've made zero dollars. I've made zero dollars from the Righteous Prick podcast in nine years. Um, hashtag boss moves. So gigs, guys. Not to be confused with Diveshes. That's a throwback call, a throwback and a callback to a joke about somebody I played basketball with in high school. His name was Divesh. He said, my nickname is Giggs. And I said, I don't know how that works, but hopefully I have a podcast decades from now where I can make that joke and nine people will remember the reference and four people will laugh. Anywho, gigs, guys, Montclair, New Jersey, March 2nd. Get tickets now. They're 10 bucks in advance. They're $20 if you don't get them in advance. Um, if you're a fan of mine, a local fan of mine, and you don't come to the show, don't you, don't you holler at me in the street telling me you're a fan, okay? Because you're not. There. Anywho, March 3rd, Boston City Winery. It's fun to see every comedian that's in the in the in the the, the comedy room at the Boston at Boston City Winery has sold out their shows uh, before me. One guy hasn't sold out his show yet. Guess who that is? Moi, in the words of Miss Piggy. Moi. And uh yeah, I um you know, if you're a Boston person, tell some friends, buy your tickets. Um please. And I say this with no, uh, not trying to shame anybody. All these gigs could be like my last time in these cities, barring a turnaround for my career. Otherwise, I'm going to become a writer. Fail, excuse me. Otherwise, I'm going to become a failed writer. Sorry, we'll edit that in post. Um, Because I can't, I can no longer fail at the thing I'm really great at. That breaks my soul. But I don't know, maybe I won't be a good book writer. So at least when I fail at that, I'll go, no, this tracks. I'm actually not that good at writing a book. So it makes sense that I fail. Now I at least feel like the universe makes sense. Because boy, oh boy, when I was failing as a comedian, that made no fucking sense. Remember that time I had a hallucination and lip sync was popular and there were 900 Italian comics doing the most generic banal shit? Remember when you said the word banal and you realized you were talking to Americans who were like, is that some sort of black anal porn? No, it's not, but okay. Thanks for uh, for playing the game. Um is banal black anal that's if i wasn't gonna go with the coldest shoulder as an episode title i might go with but is banal black anal um anyway after march 3rd in boston the city of champions as they call it you know they started winning fucking titles like 18 years ago and they were like we're now the city of champions bro we're no longer the city that it that what why everybody turns and tell you we're not the fucking we're not the fucking city of guys who hit who hit blacks with flagpoles when they're trying to argue for civil rights, bro, and out of city of champions. Fucking Boston, fucking goodwill hunting, am I right? Um, anyway, March 19th, DC Improv. The, uh, my bio, they told me to send them an updated bio. And I was like, okay. And then I sent them an updated bio. And then they put the old bio up. So I don't know what's going on there. I've made four requests for confirmation that Chris Lambert, friend of the show, friend in real life, can open for me. I don't think there'll be a problem, but you just start to wonder, uh, can you just answer my very basic show-related question? This is, I, I, did I do something, you know, but I, I also know that, like, I'm, I'm you know, whatever. It's, uh, they, I, I think my days, for whatever reason, I thought I sold well, um, in December 2020, in the middle of fucking Omicron, uh, 
but I think my day, you know, DC Improv is the club I've been going to. My first gig, paid gig in comedy was a hosting for Gary Owen in the DC Improv in August 2004. I had just taken the bar, went down to DC for a week to do some shows. Um, so that's 19 years that I've had, uh, you know, there were a few, there were several years when I moved to New York that I didn't get any work. But from like 09 till now, I got pretty steady work as a MC and as a feature and then as a lounge headliner. Um but maybe my days are numbered there, too, because they told me they weren't, you know, it was one of those things where they were like, oh, we're not doing like the the weekends in the lounge anymore. And then I look at the calendar. and I'm like, um, almost every week is just somebody with a manager or an agent like doing the lounge for the whole weekend. So it's like it's sometimes you just wish maybe because I'm big and scary looking or something or I blog and podcast a lot. But it's one of those things where I just wish people in this business could just be honest. It's like, just tell me you're not booking me. That's okay. Like instead, but when I hear like, oh, we're not doing that anymore. And then I'm like, but, but you are. So are you like, you couldn't just tell me like, we don't have a spot for you. Like that's, that's fine. That I hear a lot, but it's, it's weird because it's like, if the club you've been working since 2004, can't just give you a straight answer, then you're like, okay, so nobody, I need an agent to like bully people. That's it. Like, it doesn't matter how good I am or, or what kind of relationship I have with the club. It's just sort of like, okay, bully, bully, like, Hello, um, high-powered guy in a suit. Like, bully the shit out of out of people so I get work. That's nothing else worked. Talent and relationships were useless to me. Um, so just go and you know threaten people's families and take ten percent of my earnings and uh, we'll call it a day. So DC Improv on the nineteenth, one show only. So it'd be nice to obviously sell that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then. March 24th, Philadelphia, Philadelphia City Winery. I'm excited for that one. Um, so if any of my Philly people, and then the next day, if you're, if you're, if you prefer to stay in the, you know, and, and here's a little inside tip. If you, if you're, if you're in between Philly and Princeton, Princeton, I'm getting a flat rate. Philly, the more tickets, the more money. Mo tickets, mo money. Uh, Princeton, mo tickets, Mo irrelevant. <laughs> so obviously I'd like good crowds for both. But if you're if you're somebody who's like Philly or Princeton, we're a little closer to Princeton. But well, the Philly show is um, the more tickets I sell, the more money I make. So obviously, if you got to choose, if you can, if you can do either, go to Philly. If you if you can't do either, go to Princeton. Um, but Princeton is the twenty fifth, March twenty fifth, and then. Um, I think that's it. Did I say, yeah, I got them all. And then uh, um, the special taping is uh, March 31st and April 1st. I'm excited for the material, not so excited for the ticket sales, but excuse me, hopefully those pick up. Um, And then, uh, you know, the good news is I think, well, I know before, it seems that before March, we may know a destination for Half Blackface, the special, and then we will also have a release date for the album. If not by March 1st, definitely before I record the next special, we will, we, the, next, the first special might not be out yet when I record it, but we will have a destination for it. I think if we don't have a date, you know, the destination will be either, hey guys, go to this site and watch it or rent it or buy it, or you know, very unlikely, but hopefully maybe a miracle where I go, guys, the good news is I don't have a release date yet, but I can tell you it's been bought by motherfucking Showtime or whoever. Most likely I'm going to be like, guys, you can go to Fuggy Buggy and uh, it's a free app. You just have to go to fuggybuggy.belgium because it's a Belgian website for gay senior citizens. And um, they're anticipating a big bump for me um, because Fuggy Buggy is the, is the, um, number three app for uh, humor content in Belgium for gay seniors. So, um, you know, just just go. You might have to like uh, um, turn off your 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 internet security and your like your your antivirus software briefly just to access FuggyBuggy.Belgium. But um, it'll be worth it because because uh, they paid me. Um, uh, 183 euros. I think I think that's like half a million dollars um, to to for the exclusive, in perpetuity rights of half blackface. 
So, um, you know, get on foggybuggy.belgium and it's, uh, it was, it's, uh, it's a great honor. It's nice to be wanted. It's, it's just nice to have like to, to build this great relationship with the foggy buggy brand, um, is, is, is a dream come true to be honest. Um, you know, I knew my first impression ever was, was Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it's, it's so interesting and rich to see that at this new apex of my career, f- me forging a relationship with a prominent, um, app catering to gay seniors in Belgium. And he was, of course, the muscles from Brussels. So, uh, you know, it's funny how life works that way. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, I couldn't be happier with, um, you know, with the, well, I get eight euros after, after it's divided up among, um, the agent and the, and the production company, but I get eight euros, which I think is still probably like 110 grand. Um, so totally worth it. Super happy, super proud of half blackface. I hope you enjoy it. Just remember, turn off Norton or or McAfee um, briefly so you can access Fuggy Buggy. And uh, thank you. Thank you for, for, for supporting uh, what I do. And uh, I couldn't have done it without you all, all nine of you um, that that uh, that came to the uh, the follow-up special taping uh, March 31st and April 1st. Okay, guys. Um, I'm also on Patreon if you want other things to ignore that I'm saying. Patreon.com slash jlcoban. Check out Making Podcasts Great Again. Nobody's ever disappointed in that one. And um, yeah, that's it. So the Patreon is, you know, I I don't want to like give away. I I want the Patreon stuff to be exclusive to the Patreon. So if you're interested, you know, there was a lot of good, a lot of good uh, podcasting there. And there will be some, you know, bonus stuff, obviously, like every month. But I'm hoping that I'll be able to get some some exclusive clips to share from the special before... um, you know, all 88 JL Covan fans see it worldwide. Um, let's just do a review, guys. Shall we do a review and then get out of here? So on my trip, I watched Keen Tint. Huge fan of White Lotus Season 2. I think you guys, if you've paid attention, you know that I think the White Lotus Season 1 is a is a high-priced pile of feces. Um, I couldn't, be- I mean, I could believe it, but I was disappointed that it's like swept the Emmys. Basically, I would have given everything to dope sick. So I wasn't going to watch season two, the righteous girlfriend watched season two without me. And, um, but I heard good things and I heard from, from a variety of people, a stroke, a diverse coalition of people whose opinions vary all telling me that like, Oh, I love season two. Um, Oh yeah. I didn't really like season one, but season two is way better. Um, I watched season season two on the way to Chicago on my train trip to Chicago, and uh, I loved it. I really did. I, I just I thought it was leaps and bounds more entertaining um, than than the first season. And then on the way back, um, before I found out, spoiler: this is on the bonus episode. Before I found out that I was being sued by a company in Europe for uh, allegedly uh, using copyrighted photos in my blog in 2018 and 2014. Um, so I'm being sued for, uh, not an, not a, not a tiny amount. It'd be tiny if I was fucking like, you know, time Warner, but it's, 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 uh, it's, I was really having a, I was really basking in the glow of a, of a rewarding show. You know, did I make $3, excuse me, $2 and 75 cents profit in, uh, in Chicago? Yes. But did I have a great set where all new material was mostly firing and giving me really great hope for the for the my eighth hour on March thirty first and April first. Uh, tickets are still available, guys. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but uh, they are still available. They are going slow though, so don't don't waste any time. Um, but uh, I was feeling good. You know, I was reading a little bit of the Warmth of Other Suns. I just had a nice continental breakfast on the train. And I'm sitting in my room watching Tulsa King. Well, that's what you'll be, I'll be giving you a review of. Tulsa King, the, the Taylor Sheridan universe. This is the show he created. He's not, he's really more of like, that's more of a Taylor Sheridan brand affiliation show. Like, I think he wrote maybe the pilot, but it's more like he's given his like blessing, his empire's blessing to the show, but he's not, not like 1883 with emo. Emo Yosemite Sam didn't get enough comments, by the way. I was both proud of my Sam Elliott impression and the idea that I called him Emo Yosemite Sam. But that's what you get when you got J.L. Covan fans. They're some of the worst in the business. Just kidding, guys. 
or am I? Not afraid of turning on his fans as they labor through a podcast. Um, eighteen eighty three is very Taylor Sheridan. Um, whereas Tulsa King is more like R rated CBS drama. It's Stallone as a mob boss, a mob capo who gets out of jail after 25 years and is basically exiled to Tulsa, Oklahoma to like, you know, start up there, like start up some business for the family. Um, But before I get to that, I'm like five episodes in. I managed to watch all nine episodes on the way home on the train. I had time, but the episodes averaged like 40 minutes or 39 minutes a pop. So they weren't like full hours. And it was I, I found it to be like. Sometimes just like you want a goofy comedy or something. It was like, yeah, I don't watch. I'm not somebody who watches nine CBS dramas a week. So for me, sometimes having a show like that, it was it was moderately enjoyable. It, I, some eye rolling, but some good laughs, some good action. But it's a, I, I think, I think the you know the average righteous prick fan could probably watch Tulsa King and be like, that was enjoyable. You know, it's not water cooler. You're not going to walk around jerking each other off going, oh, my God, did you see Succession? Oh, my God, I was too busy taking it in the ass from Ted Lasso. Well, I did a rewatch Bukaki with Shit's Creek, so I'm better than all of you. Oh, I just, you know, had a slice of pizza and a beer and watched two episodes of Tulsa King because I'm a fucking American. Sorry, I'm not fancy like you guys. And I'm sorry I had to drag Succession into that. That was really more for dragging succession, some succession fans. I enjoy succession tremendously, but I felt like I had to throw it in because somebody had to be sacrificed. So I didn't just seem like I was picking on all of America's favorite dumb shows. Hey, y'all, I'm Ted Lasso. I play soccer. Oh, I'm Eugene. Wait, wait. What? I used to do a good Eugene Levy and now I've lost it. This is what I do. See, I don't keep them in the bank. I just kind of perfect impressions like an actor, like a Daniel Day Lewis, if you will. And then I forget it. I leave it by the way, by the roadside. Um, but, uh, I get an email from a company in Germany, you know, about the blog. And, uh, that broke me just briefly. I listened to like sad songs for the next hour because I just thought, where's the bottom and then Mike Pence ran in and goes, I'm right here, sir. Anyway, I said, where is the bottom of all this? When will it stop? And I'm apologizing for spilling some of the Patreon tea. I will stop here. I don't want to give everybody the juicy juice that I give to those exclusive fans who give a shit. But it was a, it was a, it was as low a moment as I've had, I think, because all I could think was I was happy. I was actually just kind of feeling good watching a show watching the world go by outside my train room, feeling just a little at peace, saying, hey, it's not, this was a gig where it's like, it's not all about the money. And the reason I say that is because I am prepping for a special. If I wasn't prepping for a special, it would have been much harder to rationalize this gig. But it was just like, yeah, it went, uh, it went well. You know, when I get home, I'll start handling my issue with my albums. I'll get those back up online. Um, we'll, we'll, We'll try to stay positive about the worst experience of my comedy life, my special. Um, we're going to, we're going to, got a follow up, but we got a second opinion on the shoulder. So like, I was just feeling like I'm, I'm, I find I'm not wallowing anymore. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm trying to make positive moves in, 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 in what has been, you know, sort of a catastrophic first few months or, or, you know, December, December to now has been like a pretty bad stretch for me. Not in the global sense. I'm not in a fucking famine in Yemen or in, in, uh, South Sudan, but you know, just relatively speaking, it's been pretty rough physically and, and artistically with, with my work. And I just kind of found this like, okay, thank you, Chicago. I'm feeling better. And then I find out, wait, my blog is not safe anymore. Now it's my blog that's causing problems. Like it was bad enough when my albums disappeared from the internet, but now my blog, this, the, the, and, and by the way, I'm going to share something with you guys. I went through my blog all weekend because I deleted every photo just to be safe and to be in compliance. I deleted every photo from every blog, which I started, by the way, in January of 2006. There are a thousand blog entries in that time. And I deleted, um, you know, several, several hundred photos going just blog to blog. And I found, I found myself feeling some pride. Um, mostly, you know, kind of just an exercise in futility, but I, you know, for, for many years, I just sort of chronicled my thoughts, my opinions, some re- a lot of reviews of things, and, and most significantly, just sort of my journey as a comedian. And it's always been 
very honest, fairly funny, and maybe somewhat self-defeating. But I, I, I just, I, I felt going through it like I was reliving some experiences, and I was like, yeah, that was fun. And I was, it, it gave me almost like it was like my life, my comedy life flashing before my eyes. Granted, super slow because I was in front of a computer for about eleven hours this weekend, going through all these. But it was just, I felt, I felt a certain pride, um, both in what I have done. And my chronicling of it. Now, I know, unfortunately, there have been, there've been people who've enjoyed my blog and read it for many, many years. But it's one of those things where you just sometimes you feel like, oh, I guess, I mean, maybe my personal pride is, is worth something. I wish, I wish I had, you know, tens of thousands of blog readers to sort of experience that and just, you know, I left, I've left like a, a pretty substantial record um, behind in terms of chronicling this that I think is... I can't imagine it's sort of paralleled by any other comedian and, and, and part of the part of the charm or authenticity of it was, you know, for 17 of the 19 years I've been doing comedy, I've been an MC or a feature. So I spoke as sort of a chronicler of the of the, you know, I'm not calling myself the John Steinbeck of comedy, but if the shoe fits. Just sort of chronicling the, the the underside or the the lesser known or the unappreciated people, and and usually people don't spend their spend a decade and a half as a feature, you know. It's 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 rare the talent that can be overlooked, and yet the psychotic perseverance that can keep at it, and that's what you get with the JL. You get rare talent, and more importantly, psychotic perseverance. Not afraid of sounding like a serial killer when describing your comedy work ethic, um, but it was just it was it was like it was nice for me, and maybe not for many other people. I know there's some people who've read it on and off for many years, but it was just I thought, wow, I've like this is pretty this is this is pretty good stuff as like a historical record of maybe some shit people don't really care about, but you know. I'd like to think that that my comedy blog and there's plenty of offensive stuff earlier and later, but it was just I don't know I I, I felt bittersweet but like kind of good about seeing that because it, it made me just sort of say hey for all the times I shit on my career and I don't like it when people don't get that I'm being like kind of intentionally self-deprecating um, I hate the business I've done quite well for somebody who clearly the industry and the Lord don't want me to succeed at comedy. I think I've done amazingly well for when you have God and the industry you want to be in fighting against you and you still manage to still be doing it. Antoine Fisher style. I'm still here. I'm still strong. I think there's something to that. Um, but man, oh man, that just when the blog, when my blog, a nonprofit, a non money making entity, that's basically like an authentic, mostly funny comedy journal. Now, now that's not safe. Like that felt like so bad because I just thought when my albums disappeared, that was rock bottom. And then I was like, oh, my, my blog. Wow. What's, what's next? My, the air I breathe, <laughs> not to be too dramatic, but I'm like, that's it. Like you've, you've now everything I've done in comedy has been sort of tainted. Every legacy no matter how small I might leave has now been sort of damaged and stressed me out. So it's, that was, that was upsetting, but Tulsa King guys, Tulsa King. Ew. I did 25 years for this family. And you're telling I did 20. Uh, you know what? What the fuck is in Tulsa, Oklahoma? I mean, what, what kind of dad? That's my Sylvester Stallone. Um, I like it. Tulsa King. I think primarily because I don't watch a lot of shit like Tulsa King. So it, it was just, it was a good candy bar of like white male action with a touch of humor. You know, just, it's just a, just enough that, you know, my system doesn't have a lot of that in it. So it was like, it was the right amount, nine pretty short episodes for a drama. And, uh, I look forward to a season two. Um, that's on Paramount Plus, by the way. Sylvester Stallone, Tulsa King. Um, yeah, like solid, like just, but at the same time, just the same way I enjoy Kevin Hart movies because I only watch them except for Jumanji, which is phenomenal. I only watch Kevin Hart movies on airplanes. So I'm like sufficiently nervous and bored enough that like 
I feel like Kevin Hart's my, my funny best friend on flights because I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay money to see this guy's mediocre shit. But boy, oh boy, when I'm anxious and bored up in a fucking plane, uh, you will catch me. I've watched, I think, four Kevin Hart movies on plane rides. So um, maybe it was just like that. Maybe it was like, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm a little bored. And I got this little train ride and good. Got it on my tablet. Hey, Tulsa King. All right, pretty solid. Maybe when you guys, everything's going right in your life and you sit down and you go, I'm in my mansion watching fucking this program that JL recommended and boy, oh boy, I would much rather fucking have Fleabag fisting me in the ass because that would be high art than watching Tulsa King. Shame on you, JL. Shame on you. So... That's your episode for the week, guys. I've got a lot more to do. I've got to go see a physical. I got to go see a physical therapist about a thing. Um, so let's hope they can see me this evening. Um, we gotta get this shoulder right. We gotta get these Dwight Howards back, okay? And boy, oh boy, do I have a lot of stuff to do tonight. I'm on. I got two more podcasts to do, including making podcasts great again. By the way, just a reminder: if you are a Patreon member of Making Podcasts Great Again, I did two uh, reviews. You people and knock at the cabin. Oh yeah, I saw knock at the cabin this weekend. Um, I guess I can tell you guys that, but I did the reviews as Trump, so that's that's some of the content that the Trump pod people love. But knock at the cabin, I thought was pretty good. Jersey people are dumb as shit, though. The last two movies I think I saw in the theater, or two of the last movies I saw in the theater were Avat- uh, the the menu. The last two movies I saw in New Jersey, I think, were the menu and now knock at the cabin. And each time some person comes out of theater or multiple people come out going, what the fuck was that? That made no sense. Some guy was like, Dave Batista should have stayed in WWE. What was the budget for that movie? $400? And I think it's just these people going to movies thinking it's going to be something else. And when it's not what they expect. And this is, this is instructive. Um, I think Nas said, N-words hate what they can't understand, fear what they can't conquer. Um, I think, but in in that context, N-word doesn't just mean black people. I think it just means people. Um, One of the very very versatile uses of the N-word. But I feel like that's what happens when I'm in these theaters. Like people are seeing a movie that they like are thrown off by because Knock at the Cabin is not confusing. It's just maybe not what you expect. But because um, this is a little spoiler. It's not an M. Night Shyamalan original script. Like he wrote the script, but it's based on a book. So it's not like the twisty, what's the twist, what's the twist. It's a little more straightforward. It's basically, is it the apocalypse or is it not? And people leaving, I think, were like, well, it was the twist. They didn't say this, but I think once they realized there wasn't a twist and it wasn't like an M. Night Shyamalan mystery. Like if you're seeing M. Night Shyamalan's 10th movie and you have the audacity to leave the theater going, what the fuck? That's on you. He has disappointed so many of us. <laughs> but um, I think that's what the Nas line fits. Like in this country, from movies to politics to your neighbors to everything else, if you don't understand something, you don't try to understand it. You just go, it's easier to just go, well, fuck that. I hate that. (laughs) Instead of going like, hmm, that's different. I wonder why or I wonder how or I wonder how I can get to know or understand better. It's easier to just go, well, this is not what I expected. So I say, fuck this. This is trash. Goodbye. And that's what we do. That's what we do with with different um, communities. We do it with with whether it's immigrants or uh, minorities or or gender non-conforming people, you know, that's what we do. We, we just go right to hate rather than it's, 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 it's more uncomfortable to try and understand. So we, so hate is like the, the quick, easy option. It's like the quick button. It's like the Amazon buy now button, um, which I don't do cause I don't shop on Amazon because you know what? I'm better than you. Um, but yeah, the menu people, like some people, I did not, what was that movie? And I was like, you dumb Jersey shit. And that, but the, the demon, there was that guy, this, this like f- older, like 50 something guy leaving knock at the cabin. Who's like, what the hell was that? That budget? What was the budget? Dave Bautista should have stayed in WWE. I'm like, okay, should he have? Cause he was in knives out. He was in guardians of the galaxy. He's having quite the movie career. And you just gave him some money by going to this movie. So what are you talking about, sir? But once again, I actually liked it. I thought it was solid. 
I don't think it was great, but I thought it was solid. Um, interesting, not what I expected, but you know, once I knew what it was, it was just like, oh, okay. So this is this isn't some twisty. This is more more of a straightforward. Well, which is it? Kind of movie. So I liked it. Um, if you've gotten bored with M Night Shyamalan twists, I think you might like this one more because it's different. Um, still very tense with some serious violence, but but you know more, a little more. In some ways, a more straightforward movie than, and maybe that's almost the confusion. Maybe that's maybe that's the big twist is that there is no twist. Whoa. Anyway, guys. I think that's it for me forever. No, that's it for this week. Thank you for being uh, listeners of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I hope you will maybe share it with a friend who maybe is like-minded. I hope if you are in any of the cities I'm performing in, will be in any of the cities I'm performing when I'm performing there, or have friends or family in those cities, I would appreciate it if you'd spread the word. I'd love to sell these tickets. Um, but more important, you know, like I said, the money I make in February and March will not make or break me one way or the other. What what it will do, though, is allow me to accurately prepare for um, the, ne- the, the, the March 31st, April 1st taping, which is obviously of great importance to me because it gets me back to my roots, self-producing and trusting myself rather than allowing my own my work to be uh, harmed and delayed and destroyed by people who are not me and do not care as much about me as I do. Um, so that's it. Valentine's day tomorrow. I know you want to know what I'm doing. Well, the righteous girlfriend who's been such a wonderful caretaker for me. Now her time is up doing that because the doctor basically said, you guys start like acting like nothing's wrong with your shoulder. So, um, no more dinner served to me, no more breakfast being made for me, no more Royal baths, no more, any of that stuff. Um, but she has been uh, pretty good other than, you know, on the second day after my first surgery, uh, leading Cookie into a crosswalk and having Cookie's paw run over, which, by the way, is turning into a wonderful bit that I am writing. Um, we'll see if it makes it to the special, but uh, I think I want everything on this, the last special, if it's the last special, because I don't want to have any jokes left in my head. I'm going to be like, I emptied the chamber, okay? And... Uh, but she's been a great sport, a great help as she was throughout the pandemic. Because I, I just when I was making that pandemic money, I kept sprinkling little little gifts on her. Um, because you guys, I know many of you learned who I was during the pandemic, but I never imagined that I would be so unhappy and stressed having like the career moment I had been sort of waiting for. Um, and I've gone. I don't have to go into why it was stressful, but it was just. I never felt relaxed. I never felt like I was enjoying myself. I never really bought myself anything with all that money. I just kind of like put in the bank and was like, it's not real. It's not real until I have a tour or an agent or like I'm finally like only doing comedy, which I could do monetarily, but not in spirit. Like I could literally quit my day job and be fine. But it's like to me, it's like, no, I want the infrastructure of a real career, the career I think I, 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 I deserve and have worked for didn't happen, but that's okay. But I, I just don't want like any jokes left in the chamber, I think. Unless they suck. I'm not going to just throw everything I've ever thought of in the last year and a half onto a special. But the point is, we're talking about the Righteous GF. And um, so she's got a... I got her a bunch of chocolates, including a Baby Yoda tin of chocolates. Like a heart-shaped Baby Yoda tin of chocolates. Got her a card from Cookie, because I'm a cheesy piece of shit like that. And uh, some white chocolates, because she's racist. And a printout of her floor seats for Madonna in August, which were not cheap. So we're going to see that fucking alien monster perform Material Girl and probably, you know, get gang banged by a like a Dominican baseball team during her concert because she's empowered and she's a trailblazer. And we're going to enjoy it. And I'm going to, you know, just stand there with with old women and. And, and gay men enjoying the material girl because I'm just a material boy. Uh, and uh, material goy. See, if my girlfriend were Jewish, that would have been funnier if I was like, I'm a material goy. But it doesn't make sense. It was the only thing I could think of that, that would rhyme. Um, what are my top five Madonna songs? I'm glad you asked. Material girl. 
La Isla Bonita, like a prayer, of course. Um, and then we get into a little tricky spot here. Those are like my clear three. And then I got to probably say hung up. Time keep. That, that's not, and and I, I respect it because it's late Madonna, relatively speaking. It's it's like late era Madonna where she had gone over like three transformations already or, or like and, and she still had a like a killer hit in her. And that's that's great. That's like the you know, that's like that la- that's like Albert. That was her Albert Pujols final season. You know, just like, hey, the old fat guy just rocked like 20 homers in the last three months of the season. Oh, thank you, Dominican steroids. You are great. You're the real MVP. Um, Hung up would probably make the list. And then it's tough for the last one because I think I would probably say express yourself. Um don't go for second best but yeah express yourself is probably there but for me material girl is for two reasons in that top five great pop song and you know when they were when i was a tall but but hairless elementary school child of six years old and the material girl video would come on i'd say well look at that pretty blonde lady with the boom booms hanging around with all those men in tuxedos she must be special because she's given me special feelings right now that i'm not sure why i'm watching but i enjoy it i remember that was a thing i used to they mtv had like a half hour video music video show they'd show every week and they just played some videos and i remember one episode and i'm talking i was like five or six um but david lee roth's california girls remake horrible song unnecessary but the entire video was just bikinied women and i'm just like six looking at this shit going man or seven i don't and i'm just like whoa and call it the catholic upbringing but i just remember when my parents came home one time and i was like i was like oh I change the channel even though it was just like i knew you know i just knew and there's a great reference to kink shaming at the end of half blackface by the way a total ad lib that i'm extremely proud of where I basically make a case for kink shaming. I got, yeah, and I'll leave it at that. I make a case for it, a sex positive case for kink shaming. And it was just an ad lib in the middle of another bit. But the point being, I knew at that point, I was like, I'm not watching this for pure reasons. I'm watching this for purient animalistic reasons. Even though there's nothing animalistic happening yet, there's something going on in my brain that says, hmm, hi. 50 women in high heels and bikinis. I don't know why that's my thing yet, but that's my thing. And I'm six. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's it, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. We got a couple uh, five-star reviews, so thank you. We're on the cusp of 200. Okay, stop, stop fucking with the sting um, tantric reviewing of my podcast and just get me over 200 already, okay? Um, but thank you. Hope to see you at a show. Thank you for listening. Hope some of you join the Patreon out of curiosity. Um, I'd rather it not be just because you want to support me, but at this point, fuck it, I'll take it. Um, Videos are very low right now. I just haven't been able to really do those. But I guess if I'm supposed to be moving, grooving like normal according to doctor's orders, then I should start doing some more videos. So thank you. I didn't even finish what we fuck we were doing for Valentine's Day. I'm taking her to Avatar on the IMAX in Manhattan because she hasn't seen Avatar and we both wanted to, I've already seen it, but she wanted to see it only on the big IMAX, like the official Manhattan 10 story IMAX theater. And so we're going to see that tomorrow. I know you're probably thinking that's not a romantic. Hey, she wanted to see Avatar. It's going to be gone from the theater because uh, Ant-Man and the fucking Guantanamera is coming out. Um, So that's going to be out of the IMAX. So I said, let's go see it. And you know what? Is that maybe uh, flowers and a romantic dinner? No. But you know what is? Fucking expensive floor seats to Madonna. Why are you giving me shit on Valentine's Day? Why are you giving me so much shit? I got you fucking Madonna. You know Teresa down the street? She would blow me for Madonna. She told me, by the way. I didn't do it because I am a gentleman. But she said, John Luigi, I will suck you off just to look at the tickets from Madonna. 
This was she said. And I said, Teresa, we used to do that. We used to be a thing in high school. You got fat. I'm not interested. I'm with the righteous girlfriend right now. So do me a favor. Go back to your fat husband, Paulie, and tell him to thank me for not putting the cannoli, the brajol, in his fat wife's mouth, okay? It's called being a gentleman. And then I made the sign of the cross because I'm a good Catholic. And we're going to Madonna. And you sit here going, where's my romantic dinner? I ought to tune you up, okay? I, I won't do it. I won't do it because I promised... I promised uh, your father I would take care of you. But he knew that sometimes I'd have to have a strong hand with you. And right now, you got Madonna seats. You got Avatar. Okay? I'm, you think I want to see these blue... These blue... These blue fanooks walking around on the IMAX with their blue ding-dongs hanging out? You know, I'm not like that. I don't get that. I'm not like your cousin Steven, okay? Yeah, I said it. I fucking said it. So the point is, I'm doing this for you. You're getting Avatar. You're getting the blue people. And by the way, I know the blue people are really Moulinians, okay? I'm not saying that, okay? Too many people say, oh, ra you want to talk racist. That's not racist. That's what they are. But I'm not saying anything about that because I know you got your friend at work, okay? I know you got your friend who's all Black Lives Matter. So I'm being nice because it's Valentine's Day, okay, honey? But we're going to see the blue people. You're going to go see Madonna, okay? And you want to have a romantic dinner? You dare tell me you're not having a good time? That is a better... What did you get me for Valentine's Day? What did you get me? A box of chocolates? What am I, Forrest Gump? What am I, Forrest Fanuke Gump? No, you know what? Take your chocolates, okay? Because I know you really want to get down with the chocolate, and I'm not talking about eating a box of candy. You know what I'm saying. I heard what you did in college. I never said nothing about that, but I heard you were a very big fan of the basketball team when you were supposed to be doing other things at Seton Hall University, like getting a degree. But no, you dropped out. You dropped out because you're no good, and you're showing you're no good by not being grateful for these Madonna tickets and this Avatar movie. So no, no dinner tonight. In fact, if you say it again, we're going to have a problem. And that's been JL, the Italian guy character. That went on a long time. I think I have issues that I need to to settle after I hang up on this podcast. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you made it all the way through. Good God, that was uh, that was humorous. All right, see you next Tuesday.